When I was 15 years old, I went to a church conference trip in Chicago, and I love these conference trips because I got to meet new people and see friends from different states that I hadn't seen in over a year. Typically, during these conferences, I would always hang out with people from different states instead of my own friends from my own church because, like I said, I took advantage of meeting new people. In that conference, it just so happened to be the members of Detroit. I'd already known some of them just from like past conferences, word of mouth, and social media like Facebook. The conference was typically only five days, but that year our church got to stay an extra day after the conference was over because of our flight times. I'm not sure why I'm giving you so much background information, but I promise it'll make sense in the end. On the last night, the entire hotel's electricity and system shut down. I don't even think our room cards were working. Each floor of the hotel had different church groups from different states, so when this happened, I was on Detroit's floor and not on California's. What ended up happening is some of us on Detroit's floor stayed out in hallways just talking and making the best out of the situation. There were some people who had access to their room still, but at one point of the night, a group of us ended up sleeping on the floor of the hotel hallway, like both boys and girls. I was sleeping in the middle of a boy and his sister. For some reason, a guy from Detroit thought it would be funny to take a picture of me sleeping next to this boy, but the picture only showed me and him and not the entire row of people or that was right next to his sister. But at this point, I didn't know that he had taken that photo. The next morning, we all said our goodbyes and left back to California. And typically what would happen after these trips is that we would keep in touch with everyone for like two to three weeks over Facebook or video chat. We would all upload our memorable pictures and come on everyone's posts and just talk about whatever happened at that conference. Well, the guy who had taken the picture of me sleeping next to that boy posted that picture on Facebook along with other pictures in his conference album. Me, knowing the full story of that picture, didn't think it was a big deal. Guys, I even commented saying like, ha ha ha, what a fun night or something like that and then moved on with my day. It didn't even cross my mind at all how other people would perceive it because like I said, I knew the story so in my head it was just funny. Then, out of nowhere, my brother comes to me raging. He had seen that picture and my comment and could not believe what an idiot I was for not only liking the picture, not only commenting on the picture, but not realizing what a big deal it was that I was pictured sleeping next to a boy at a church youth conference trip. Anyone looking at that photo would not know the backstory, would not know anything about the hotel outage, would not know a lot of us were sleeping in the hallway. They would just see me and this guy sleeping next to each other. While my brother is raging, all I could think about is I hope he doesn't tell mom. At first he said he wouldn't, but I mean, I should have known that was a lie because he did end up telling her. And if you want to hear what happened next, keep listening to this week's episode of Housewife in Training. If my brother was raging, my mom was bouncing off the wall, steam coming out of her ears, red as a tomato. Whatever word describes like anger plus 10 levels above that, that's what she was. I think the only other time I had pissed my mom off that much was in sixth grade when I shaved my legs without telling her. Oh my gosh, I heard it all from her. How could I be so stupid? How could I let someone take a picture of me like that? How could I even sleep next to the boy or be around the boy? 
What are people going to think? And my favorite line that I heard all my life was, you don't make mistakes, but when you do, you drop bombs. Of course, now reflecting back, it's probably because I didn't make a lot of mistakes when I was younger. So when I did, it just seemed so out of character for me. I explained everything to her and my brother. They just didn't care. It's not like they didn't trust me. It's not like they didn't believe my story. All they could focus on was that my picture was on Facebook of me sleeping next to the boy at a church youth conference and what people were going to say about me. My brother ended up messaging that guy that posted it and told him to take it down. And at first that guy said no, which was really weird. But I mean, eventually my brother did convince him with a few nice words. Thanks, older bro. Reflecting back, I didn't know this then, but I think that was my very first experience of feeling shame to the deepest of levels. I remember I was sick to my stomach. I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. My mom wasn't talking to me. My brother was mad at me. I couldn't stop crying. I just felt like I really did bring shame to my family. And also I felt alone. I didn't want to tell anyone or open up to my friends with how bad it was because I didn't even want to admit it to myself that I could have done a huge mistake like this. But you know, the absolute worst part about all this was at the time, my dad had no idea. My mom didn't tell him because she didn't want to upset him. So he was just so worried as to why I was crying or so sad. He kept asking me what's wrong and hugging me, being the loving sweet man that he's always been. That made me feel even more guilty because all I could think about was if he only knew, I probably would not be receiving this type of love. I have to say, this age of my life was very critical for my mom. I'm referring to the ages of 14 to 18. The mom I had at this stage is very different from the mom I had in my early to mid-20s. When I turned 14, my mom had told me a woman's name or reputation is like a pearl. If it stains, it loses its value and it will never recover. A lot of pressure to put on a 14-year-old little girl Also, I'm pretty sure you can clean pearls, but whatever. Maybe you couldn't back a need off. I don't know. But pearls are actually a symbol for purity if you didn't know. Whatever the case, where my parents lived, this statement could not have been more true. If a woman did one thing wrong that resulted in a bad reputation, she would never be able to redeem herself. She will forever be known in her town by that incident or mistake. And actually, I shouldn't use mistake because most of the times it was over normal things like going out on a date with a guy who she didn't end up marrying. And now no man in that town will ever look at her again. That girl can go on to win a Nobel Peace Prize or single-handedly end terrorism. But does that matter? No, because her reputation is tainted. I really wish I was being overly dramatic. Maybe I'm being a little dramatic, but the amount of stories my parents have told me about how people of their town perceived certain people, how families had rankings in society based on reputation of its members, and how they had to go out on dates in separate towns just so people wouldn't see them together, it's not that hard to believe. Both my parents came from a very reputable family in Iraq. People who grew up in my parents' village respected both my grandpas very much, so I would say that made their mentalities towards withholding an image even stronger because they just had more eyes on them. When they immigrated to America, my entire family, including all my aunts and uncles, became very involved in the surrounding Assyrian community which meant that they became pretty well known where I live. So it's not like my parents moved to America and didn't have to worry about people back home thinking of them a certain way. No, they just found people here and became part of a new community. New, but almost the same old standards. 
I think that's the biggest difference between immigrants who still hold on to a lot of the old mentalities from their home country and those immigrants who no longer care as much. Think about it. It's those people who are heavily involved in an Assyrian organization, very active members in church, or have a lot of their extended family near them that are the ones who are the most quote-unquote traditional or stay close to their roots. This all stems from what is called shame culture. Cultures like the Middle Eastern culture, very much like the Asian or Indian culture, are driven by ensuring that everyone has a desire to maintain their honor. And how do they make sure of that desire? By shaming you when you do not follow a certain code. We care more about doing what's best for the group, aka your family or your community, rather than caring about what's best for yourself. Okay, enough jibber-jabber, back to my pearl. Funny story, when I was 14, I had a secret boyfriend and told him about the whole pearl thing my mom told me about, and he used to tell me, oh, I'll protect your pearl, don't worry. Ugh, cringe, young love. What was I saying? Oh yeah, the ages of 14 through 18 were very critical ages in my development. And if you ask my mom, she will tell you this was very calculated because she believed, or I guess was told, if your child hasn't become, quote unquote, a bad kid by 18, then they'll most likely stay like that for the rest of their adulthood. By the way, this doesn't mean that my mom stopped being strict after 18. It just meant that she absolutely made sure every word of discipline and that fear of disappointment stayed with me so that I would think twice before doing anything that in her eyes would seem a little sketch. Of course, I just bred the absolute best liar, but that's a topic for another day. If you feel like the Facebook post example wasn't enough to kind of summarize how scared I was about what other people thought of me, I used to also not be allowed to ride in cars with any of the youth boys because, God forbid, I got in an accident and people would find out and say, Jorge was in a car with a boy. And yes, I kind of understand if I was riding alone, but this applied to when my youth group would go on trips and there was a whole group of us, not just me. No matter what I did, it always came down to what people would say about me. In Assyrian, it's Nasha Mutemri. That was a very popular statement in my household. I wish I could say that this only affected myself and not my relationships, but sometimes I'd be so anxious what people would say about my friends too, because then that would indirectly come back to me. Like, how could Orhe be friends or associated with someone like that. I don't even think I've told them that directly. I know my friend Paulina probably knows that even without me saying it though, because I would sometimes act like her second mom when we were younger. One of my best friends went to a high school party once and I think I was still in high school or maybe it was my first year of college. And I remember telling her, this isn't what we do. We're good girls. I want to slap my younger self sometimes. Of course, it even affected dating because I would constantly be paranoid someone would see me out with a guy and I wouldn't be able to enjoy my time with that person that I was dating. I had a relationship for a whole year between the ages of 16 to 17, and I think we only went out to eat just us one-on-one like three times, if that. Even when I started dating Ted, my now fiance, when I was 18, it was crazy. I used to lie to my parents saying that I had homework and projects with him senior year, so they would let me go to his house. I literally forgot about that until just now. Ted didn't come over to my house for years. He actually didn't start coming over comfortably on his own until we got engaged two years ago, and we've been together for almost nine years. This is another beast of a story, but basically, because we weren't engaged, my parents were scared to give me and him the freedom of coming and going to each other's houses. 
Because if something ever happened and we broke up, people may say something about how my parents didn't uphold my honor and they let this guy just come and go to their house freely without a ring or a promise that we'll be married. I would always ask them like, mom, dad, who? Who in America will shame you for allowing your daughter's long-term boyfriend to come over? Also, how's anyone even going to know? My neighbors are not Assyrian. It's not like they sit out in their front lawn and drink chai together every day on the lookout of who's entering and leaving our house. But can you see why that was so ingrained in their minds? Because when they lived in their village in Iraq, it was very much like that. All the neighbors on the street would be out in the front lawn talking, hanging out with everyone, and definitely noticing who's coming and going from someone's house. And without a doubt, if someone saw a guy enter a girl's home, the whole village would know that that family willingly accepted that guy, who's rumored to be with their daughter, enter their home without a promise of betrothal. The shame and lack of respect for their daughter would be the talk of the town. I know the story I shared about my brother earlier may make it seem like he was just a stereotypical protective older brother, but actually, if it wasn't for him, I think I'd have it way worse than I did. He always went to bat for me and tried to convince my mom to let me do certain things as much as he could and challenged her beliefs or thoughts. And at a certain point, my brother also got so over the idea of having to be perfect in society and show everyone that we're the best son and daughter any parent could ever ask for. As bad as I had it, my mom also placed a lot of pressure on my brother to be a certain way in the community, just in different ways, but that's a story only he can share. Now that I'm older, it's obviously not as bad. My mom has eased up a lot, and she admits she may have been sometimes too strict on me, but she did what she thought was best at the time, and I I really can't blame her. I go back and forth between what I wish was different, but if I had a chance to go back and change it, I don't think I would. I very much believe in the butterfly effect, where one small change can have an immense effect on the future. I don't think I would be the woman I am today without my mom, and that goes for both my good and bad qualities. I am smart, I am passionate, I am kind. I am emotional, which is to me a good thing. I will fight for what I believe in at all costs. And those are all qualities. If my mom didn't raise me the way she did, I would not have. As for my bad qualities, I can make a whole other episode just on that. But I think the biggest thing I've struggled with is I put a lot of my worth on how other people perceive me. And that is detrimental to my mental health. I remember last summer, I went on a trip with a group of people and we were talking about first impressions. Someone told me that they were surprised that I was the way I was. And when I asked clarifying questions, I think they got uncomfortable, but they thought I would be more goody two-shoes. I doubt they meant it in a mean way. I don't know their intentions, but that did hurt. My immediate reaction was to be disappointed that I wasn't able to uphold the person they thought I was to the point where they alluded to me not being this good girl persona. My second reaction was to be mad at them for even saying something like that. And I started questioning my behaviors and wondering if I wasn't presenting myself appropriately. My third reaction was to say, screw it. I know who I am. People close to me know who I really am. Why on earth should I feel disappointed that I fell through with whatever standard this person had set for me? If they had told me that at the age of 18, heck, if they had told me that just a couple years ago, I would have spiraled and I would have done whatever needed to be done to redeem myself in that person's eyes. I'm not saying I'm at a point where I'm completely over what people think about me, and I don't think I ever will be. I've had many sleepless nights overthinking what I've said to someone, how I acted, 
and whether or not that would change their perception of me. It's exhausting. It's exhausting constantly having to think about being a certain way so other people won't judge me. So other people won't think I'm a bad person. So that other people will think I'm a good Assyrian girl. I like to think if I ever have kids one day, I will make sure that they never feel like they have to please random strangers. That as long as I and their dad know who they really are, then that's all that matters. To play devil's advocate too, I also think that there's some value to caring what other people think. I don't think it's applicable, at least not to me, to just say like, oh, you should never care about what people think. That's just not going to happen. I'm an Assyrian. It's kind of like in our culture and it comes with the territory. And maybe there is some good with protecting your parole and we just need to change the definition of what that means. You should always respect yourself and that's the only way people will ever respect you. It should definitely not be in the context of having to feel like you need to be this perfect, pure angel of a woman. If you're listening and have related to some parts of this episode, I hope your pearl's value is measured more by what you think of yourself and less by what others think of you.